everybody, welcome back. Everybody, welcome to the Sportsmanlike Conduct Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Argot, and I'm here with my sidekick, Biscotti Doodle. Uh, and today I am interviewing uh, my good friend, Jordan Black. She is a former broadcast uh, sports journalist, and, uh, and now she's a podcaster. She hosts her own podcast called Scoop Du Jour. But while we were doing this podcast, um, I broke it a little bit on the show, but uh, we got news today that... Uh, uh, Jim Brown, he passed away at the age of 87. He lived a long life, uh, one of the greatest running backs of all time. He was the running back for the Browns. He uh, won uh, back then, before there was Super Bowls, the National Football Championship in 1964. Um, he he uh, rushed for more than 1,000 yards eight times in, in a season. In his first four seasons, there were only 12 regular season football games, and then through his last five a season, uh, through his last five seasons, there were fourteen NFL games. If you kind of put that into perspective, this guy had twelve thousand three hundred twelve rushing career, career rushing yards. Um, he had the single season rushing yard record at, back then of at, at eighteen hundred and sixty three yards. If you think about that, and and whether if it's twelve or fourteen games, uh, can you imagine what he would have did in today's game at 16 or 17 games? This guy retired before the age of 30. Um, just a, a player ahead of his time. One of the greatest. Um, I said earlier, uh, he's a civil rights activist. Just, um, man, just, just someone who now nowadays would have just been a complete monster. Um, he, he was just one of those players, a speedster who loved contact. Um, this is from, you know, Dick LeBeau, just like guys who back then, you know, who actually got a really watching play, not a whole lot of footage on, on him. Um, as there were in, in the seventies and eighties. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, he was only six two, two hundred thirty four 234 pounds, uh, back, back in the day. And, um, you know, he just, a one of a kind kind of guy. Uh, like I said, just the most remarkable thing for me of his career is he retired before he was 30 years of age. And this is before, you know, running backs, you know, now, now running backs fade out at 30 years of age, but he faded out. Uh, he retired on his own terms, such as like Barry Sanders did uh, back his time in the, um, in the late nineties. But yeah, just, um, you know, just one of the guy, one of those guys who you wonder if you played a few more years, would he have put his rushing record to uh, to rest, and maybe would he still have it uh, nowadays? Uh, Emmett Smith broke his rushing record, uh, you know, I think about ten or fifteen years ago now. I'm not uh, so called on the date, but it's just like one of those guys who was, um, you know, a, a league pioneer for the NFL, and uh, will be will be missed. Um, I've been trying to collect one of his rookie cards for such a long time; they're a little bit out of my price range uh, for there, but. Um, I, I, I got to imagine his sports cards market is going to be jumping up a lot after hearing this news, but, um, I don't want this to overshadow the podcast. I mean, it's, um, you know, again, it's, he, he lived a long life, 87 years old. Um, it's not, uh, so I just, uh, give, give him, uh, some praise, um, uh, and we'll carry on with this podcast. And, uh, I'm uh, happy to bring this with you with a uh, former sports journalist, uh, Jordan Black and the host of the Scoop Du Jour podcast. When did you realize that you wanted to be in sports? Oh, I realized I wanted to be a journalist at a very young age. A funny story. 
when I was five, I was, we always grew up with the news on in our house. So I'll get to your sports question in a second. We're journalists, right? We always answer the long way, but we will give you the sound bite. I love the direction you're going. When you get, you know, we know you want the sound bite, but I'll tell you the story. Um, When I was five, grew up watching the news with my mom. I saw a news anchor on TV and I said, what's her job? And that was the moment I knew I wanted to be in broadcast journalism. And from then on, that was my whole career trajectory. Um, When you know, did all the things growing up to pursue that, went to North Carolina and applied to all of the journalism schools in order to figure out that I wanted to go to North Carolina and pursue broadcast journalism. But before that, um, in high school, I went to St. Thomas Aquinas, which is a big sports school and program in South Florida. And they just dominate in sports. And when you're just around that, I was a cheerleader for an incredible few years of football there. So you're always around it. I just knew like sports is my love. Like it's just fun. It fits my personality. My dad has such a great passion for sports and he taught me so much about sports and I attribute so much of my love for sports to him. So I would say because my passion or my vibe fits more into sports, I knew I wanted to do that. And then when I got to Carolina, I did so many sports centric things that it really just fit in. Um, and I knew I wanted to pursue sports journalism really that, um, cultivated, I think when I was at UNC. Oh, wow. Yeah. So going, you know, you, like you said earlier, you're, you're from, uh, uh, Southern Florida, you're from there, then you go to, on to, uh, UNC. So did your fan, did your fandom kind of, you know, you're like always now Tar Heels? Or are you still like Florida Gator? How, how, is, uh, how does that go in the family? Such a good question because we can never give up the Gators, <laughs> no. you know, in my family um, because we bleed like orange and blue. I was going to say, I so know how much, passionate the right. fan base is. And in growing up in Florida, which you were saying, Brian, you haven't been Not. to Florida yet, but when you're, when you grew up in Florida, you have to like Florida, Miami or Florida state, and you cannot like both. Um, there's such a heated rivalry. And I think any state that has multiple colleges gets that yeah. state schools. Um, we love the Gators so much so that my parents built their house and the pool has a ceramic blue and orange Gator at the bottom. <laughs> so they have to sell it eventually to a Gator, or I don't know what they'll do. Um, but we love the Gators so much. And I think it's actually perfect that I went to an ACC school because they never played each other in, in anything that I recall being at or reporting on. So it's perfect that I'm able to root for both. Um, If they played each other, I would root for my alma mater because I do believe that the place that gives you the degree you should root for. And so that said, one example, when I went to um, have a job in Fayetteville, Arkansas, you know, I I do think when you're a journalist, you should be unbiased, but you grow to love the team that's right there. And everything in Arkansas is the University of Arkansas because there aren't really two big schools. There's Arkansas State, but it's definitely a smaller fan base. And I, in the super regional two years ago, Arkansas and North Carolina played in the super regional and everyone was like, how would you root for North Carolina? <laughs> like, are, how would I not root yeah. for the place that gave me a degree? And that I lived for four years of my life and that molded me, you know? So exactly, I believe you always root for your university. Um, and of course, any other time I'll root for these other teams, Gators. You know, all I hope Arkansas does well. I hope the Gators do well and other things. You know, if you want me to root for your team, I'll pray that they do well. But I will <laughs> always like stand by my Tar Heels. 
yeah, yeah. You always have that little, that little um, bias toward, you know, towards it. And, you know, that's yeah. where, where you went. Like, that's my team. And I, I care so much about them. And I worked for the football program for three, three and a half years. Um, and I just, and at a school like that, that has such a tradition rich and incredible sports program, but especially basketball, um, you're never going to root like against them. I mean, it's just like, that's why I wanted to go to UNC. I asked my dad when I was little, what's a really good school that has good sports. He told me Duke. Um, we have <laughs> they're, that they're story. Arch, the arch rival. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't admit that story until later in life. And we like recapped it. He was actually a guest on my podcast. And it was really funny because it was hard to admit that when I was little, I wanted to go to Duke. Um, but I really did want to go to a school that was great academically and great in sports. And I think I got that at UNC. What wasn't it, uh, couldn't it at least happen where, where UNC and, uh, Florida state did meet up in the, uh, March Madness pool. Cause they, they were both in it. Right. Or wait, uh, or was that the hurricanes I'm thinking of? Ooh, they probably that did. So they my, always will play in, yeah. in the ACC tournament. And so that is an easy route for Carolina for me, because again, in my family, we always root against Miami. We always root against Florida state. And it's really <laughs> funny because, I have a big family and a lot of my cousins, aunts and uncles went to either Miami or Florida state. And so it's really a bloodbath when we're all together, <laughs> um, especially come Thanksgiving time when Florida state and Florida play. Um, and it's really funny how everyone, you know, goes against each other. But I think I was maybe the first of like my um, big group of cousins to go out of state and to not go to a Florida school. Um so yeah, I'll always root for Florida, always against those two schools. And um, we always joke, like, what if our kids want to go to like Miami or Florida State? Like, will my dad root for his grandchildren? <laughs> it's yet to it, be seen. <laughs> yeah, he, he might he might uh, swing his bias a little bit if his uh, grandkids, yeah. but we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, I know. We'll, we'll see, unless he's like a military dad. He's like, no, I'm stirring in my ways now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very stubborn who knows <laughs> it's funny i went my school is in florida i i never went to my i, I did everything virtually i did it from california yeah. it's in uh, winter park florida um it's the dan patrick school of sports casting at full sail university yeah um that that's where i went it was a big reason i mean dan patrick uh him helping put that program together who's uh probably the the icon in the industry for as far totally. as like uh, broadcasters go but um i always wanted to go in person um but COVID hit so that kind of uh, shot a lot of that down and I had to go to, or I had the chance to go to graduation in person, but I was like thinking at the time, like almost kind of what for, I was like, oh, I'll visit the school at another time at a later date. And um, you know, yeah, uh, that's probably like the only ties to Florida that I really yeah. have from there. But uh, yeah, uh, great school, great program. And um, it sounds like uh, a lot of your family, you know, there's a lot of great schools around, around that, that area. And you'd be close to Winter Park is near Orlando. So you'd yes. be close to UCF, which is like a program on the rise. So that could be your Florida college affiliation sports. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, shifting on from over to to college, uh, I want to hear more about um, you going in being on broadcast TV and, and want to be a journalist. Now you're doing podcasting. What has that shift been like for you? Yeah, it's definitely something I always wanted to do. I, the podcast, I did the traditional sports broadcast thing applied to hundreds and hundreds of jobs (laughs) and um, after college and it was so wonderful. And I really have no bad things to say about traditional sports journalism. I wouldn't be the person I am today without my first job in Greenville, Mississippi, my second job in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Um, I loved 
every second really of reporting in those two places. Um, the people that, I met. The, sorry to interrupt you. That's how, no. that's how it goes. You go to the small yeah. towns and like, that's oh. how you get the repetitions. And Oh my gosh, the repetitions and the humbling experiences. And also, you know, you get to do a lot in those places um, because you're doing everything. Like yeah. I, my first job, um, it doesn't sound like this was a big thing, but I went by myself like six months into the job to the D2 College World Series, which was in Dallas um, with Delta State University, which is a division two school. And um, I was just like following the team around, carrying my tripod, carrying my camera at the team, you know, just doing my live shots, doing a 30 minute show, doing, you know, following the team to practice, doing all the things by myself. And just like thinking back on that experience, I was 23. And um, it's just amazing to think of the things you didn't think you could do and did. Um, and then just all of the people along the way. Or kind of and, stuff that might, might scare you now. Right. A little bit like, uh, you know, right. Like, like even now, yeah, you're like, I, how did I do that? And because you also at the time, and I, I'm sure you learned this and do this and in all of our sports experiences, we just say yes to everything because you know, it's an opportunity. Yeah, It's a, of course an amazing experience, but it's also, um, kind of, you know, given to us in this way of everything's an opportunity. Um, and I do believe that, but also, you know, we're just it, never say no. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't say no because I mean, you, yeah. you never know if the opportunity is going to present itself again for as far as like, oh, okay, can you go cover this? Or, Hey, can you work on this weekend, this night? And right. you're like, uh, every, yeah. yeah. And I worked every night, every weekend, um, of, of my twenties. And that's what it is, right? You're the weekend sports anchor. And again, I wouldn't trade any of it. I wouldn't give up any of the experiences, the opportunities, um, for anything. But when I moved to Chicago last June, um, I knew that it was kind of time for a lifestyle change. I didn't right. have the work-life balance that I was craving. Um, and when we get to this stage in our life where kind of you're looking out ahead and you're like, do I want a family? Do I want to make more money? Do I want do what things do I see in my future? Um, and those things meant a lot to me and not the money being all of it. Right. But a family and the balance and just some more clarity in a lot of things. And so I decided to make the leap into a corporate job and it's been so wonderful. And, um, so great. And the company I work for is also fun, right? Cause I'm in beer. Um, so whose first job out of news doesn't want to be selling beer. <laughs> um, and then your, your family um, must love you. They're like, Hey, great. We get, can we get free I, beer? I, I mean, I know I'm like the life of every party. <laughs> um, yeah, I get to bring all of the goods everywhere. So that's been great. And then it also gives me the flexibility to get back to your question, um, to do what I've always wanted to do, which is start a podcast. So I started Scoop Du Jour last October and the premise, it sounds so simple when I pitch it to everyone. It's really why I got into journalism in the first place is to tell stories right. and it's telling the stories that I couldn't ever tell, um, or I couldn't not, could never tell. I shouldn't say that. Couldn't tell as often as I wanted to in traditional sports journalism because we often get two minutes, if that, right? Yeah. Because news and weather are king. And I very much understood that because I lived in like the heart of the South where severe weather yeah. was always happening. Um, so when I got my two minutes, it was scores, you know, breaking sports news um, and all of the things. And that was so important, right? Because I lived in these really passionate sports bases, sports fan bases. Um, 
But now I was, you know, craving talking to people like we're talking now about who they are, what their family is like, what their morning routine is like, what they did before games, why their grandma was important to them, what it was like when they got drafted, um, what a really cool story when they were on the mound was like, or why they transitioned themselves. Um, All of those things. So that's what my podcast is about. I've met so many amazing people through it. Um, And it's been been so much fun. What have been some of your favorite interviews? Ooh, okay. So one that it has been so fun and I think expected is Lisa McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey's mom. Okay. She is so cool. Like just cool mom. Down there. Um, cool boy mom. She, she's fabulous. She was a blast to talk to. It was like talking to a friend and she was fun. Um, and you just really got a glimpse into how and why her kids are so successful. Um, one that a lot of folks might not know about is a gentleman by the name of Ed Smith, who I just adore. And he and I have become little pen pals. He <laughs> is a former professional baseball player who then became an NFL tight end. And he has the most amazing stories. I, anytime I do something like this, I say, you have to go listen to the podcast to hear his story because I, one, won't share it as well. And two, it's just too good a story to come out of my mouth. Um, he is the best Michael Jordan story I've ever heard. Okay, um, okay. So that is just a teaser because it's too much of a teaser already. Well, you mentioned just Michael Jordan there. And that's the perfect teaser. You don't have to right? really, uh, say too much else. He's just such a good man. Like, and I'm just so grateful that I got the opportunity to talk to him because I don't know if I was doing this podcast, if I ever would get to meet someone like him. Um, I I also think, um, a lot of people know the story of Marcus Lattimore and the kind of end of his career at South Carolina. He went to the NFL and it was short lived, but hearing the story from his mouth, um, was really like, I don't want to say special because it's not fair what happened to him, but it really impacted me. And I think it was really cool that he shared that with me and was so profound and just open. Um, so those are a few, but there's so many more, like I could probably go on and on and they just all mean so much to me. And I'm just so appreciative that everyone has spent so much time with me and been so willing and open. Um, and it's just so fun, right? Like you're doing this. It's just, we're having a blast. Um, and you get, you get the mic like for so long. And I just sit and listen and I'm, I'm just enamored by so many people. And then I think I mentioned before I got to do one with my dad because he's not, you know, my premise is larger than life athletes, coaches, media members, um, all the things. But then I think back to it and I'm like the person who got me to where I am and why I love sports is my dad. So that was a really fun one around Thanksgiving time. Yeah, no, and that, that that's one reason why I love podcasting in general. It's it's long form. It's great. I think long form, especially in podcasting, is uh, always going to be around. I think there's um, always going to be a market for it. And um, I you can tell stories differently in podcasting than you can on TV. TV's great. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot more visual. Um, I think a lot less people spend less time on watching TV unless it's like you know a certain movie. But like when you're listening to audio, it's a lot it's a lot different in uh, that sort of form. And um, I feel like you just be a little more freer in, yep. in that, that sort of sense. And uh, and I, I think that's what, when you're interviewing either an athlete or um, even a sports uh, professional as yourself, 
um, you you're you have a lot you're a lot more freer to kind of go in different routes, and and uh, that's why I think podcasting is so much more. Um, I think favored is the, is the word I'll yeah. use in that, in that route, because, uh, uh, it's, I, I still think there's a lot of people discovering podcasts. Like, you know, you know, oh, yeah. I've been listening to, I've been listening to podcasts since 2009, I think. And that, that was, like those were the early, early days of it. And, and, uh, ne- but now that you, you, I still meet people that are like, I've never listened to a podcast. I'm like, really? yeah, you know, so it sounds so foreign. Nowadays, it's right? definitely our generation, I think, for sure. Yeah. But what's neat also about podcasts, like you and I are saying, is we're doing this on video, but it, there'll be an audio. Uh, the ma- main component of podcasting, right, started yes. as audio. But then you and I know we can post it on YouTube and we can post shorter clips on TikTok and Instagram reels. And that's where the younger generation will find it. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, the way my my dad and mom like to share it with people is on YouTube because they don't necessarily know that you can search on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all those things. So there are so many ways to get to so many people versus, um, like you're saying, when I shared a story in um, Arkansas or Greenville, it lived on the news channel site there, but it would maybe be, you know, somewhere on Facebook or something like that. Um, and just kind of around in that medium only. Um, and so I like think what you're saying is so true. It's just a great way to get to so many people. And I love that. And the other thing I've been loving is that the way I kind of, the way I thought about it was like, I always, always would hear from my grandma. We call her mama. She's like our matriarch and the, um, stories that hit home the most for her when I was reporting were the ones where, you know, she was like, Oh, I love how that player has the tattoo that's symbolic of this. And you did that package on, on him and how he, you know, he runs track for, for this, you know, whatever things she remembered. And so the podcast kind of centered around the things mom remembered, right? It wasn't how fast he ran and, and why, you know, they, they chose him because his 40 time was this, right? right, right. It, it's the stories. And so I always think about that. And like the things that people remember are the who and the why, not the, you know, numbers and, yeah, exactly. and all those things. What, what this person did at draft day, as opposed to like what they're actually telling you on the podcast about real life, personal stories and stuff yeah. like that. And, and that, that's where you're, that's what you get. And like, that's like, I think, you know, me and you on our podcast, we have the same uh, aligned goals. It's like, you know, we want to bring those interesting stories to life. And uh, that that's why it's here. And, you know, we also love talking sports. It's like, that's the other caveat to it all. There, There's so much to be said in the podcast realm and and, and all that and bringing, bringing these stories out to life. That's our job. Even you, when you were doing uh, as a sports uh, caster, broadcaster, that was your job is to bring some of the stories to life visually. And now this is done, you know, in audio form. And, so uh, true. But yeah, that that's the one reason I I love uh, th- this all. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna shift from this. We're gonna go and talk. Uh, let's talk some. Uh, you're you're uh, from South Florida. You're a Miami fan. You love your Heat. Um, we were talking about the Heat a little bit before the podcast. They are three victories away from making the NBA Finals. Maybe a rematch against the Los Angeles Lakers from t- 2020 bubble season. Uh, who who knows? Even though the, the well Lakers are down 2-0 right now. Not not a Laker fan. I'm a LeBron fan. Uh, watching LeBron play, but uh, what Jimmy Butler has done um, with for the Miami Heat, um, 
I, I still think it's being underrated what he's done. I know people are talking about it and everyone's calling him Himmy Butler, but yeah. I cannot say I've ever seen anything like what he has done. Like as far as like what he has willed, I, I, I can compare it, I guess, to what LeBron did to with the Cavs in from that like 06 to 2010 range before he left and went to Miami. Um, th- that is probably the closest thing I could say to what Jimmy Butler is about to do to this Boston Celtics team. What has the experience meant to, meant to you as a Heat fan and what, you know, just how impressive you've been by him? I was going to say back to LeBron, us Miami fans still, like at least I as a Miami fan still admire and adore LeBron um, and what he meant to Miami um, and just to the NBA, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, but Jimmy Butler is just so fun to watch. And there've been moments where I was curious what he would mean or do to the locker room. Cause there were a couple moments in past seasons where you were curious what the vibe was going to be and how morale was going to shift because there are moments where Jimmy Butler can Jimmy Butler. Right. Yeah, um, I mean, but then uh, there are moments when, when he, he does Sixers. what he does and you're like, Okay. And you know what? I think it also speaks to how great of a coach Eric Spolstra is and how he's yes. reeled him in. Um, and you cannot speak highly enough of how phenomenal a coach Eric Spolstra is. Um, I think all of us from South Florida know that and have seen that. The, the league has taken him for granted. He's the second best coach in the NBA. It's and unbelievable. And it's like so cool to, I love the, that's a great sports story, right? Like yeah. it will be a documentary one day. Like it will be a book. It will be all the things because it's just like the, one of the greatest sports stories, right? Like he was, he almost the, got the, fired. He was, he, he, the video guy, he was get Yeah. The video guy. And don't forget, he almost got fired in, on the first year with LeBron D Wade and Bosch there, the big three that they, they had a losing record. I think it was like throughout the first 30 games of that, that year. And, and uh, people were calling for his head, you know, but uh, Pat, luckily Pat Riley was in charge and Riley's like, I don't care what anyone thinks, you know, I know what we're doing here. And it's it was also game. a huge, I mean, again, like that organization is what it is because of Pat, because of Eric and so many things. But to answer your question, like the heat aren't where they are right now because of, without Jimmy um, and don't continue to be where, where they're going. Um, without him and I think like all the times where like he's was injured you're just like waiting with bated breath like yeah. please no please no um it's just been really cool and fun to see him and he's like also again just like one of those like fun vibrant players too that you're just you just love watching him right it's like what makes sports sport um and I'm just I'm glad he's on my team you know what I mean yeah <laughs> like, no totally and I I love like um, after they beat the Bucks, there was a the story about him hit, hit, came out and like uh, about like how he was uh, taken in by this family and you know and, and uh, I think it was like his best friend's family. Uh, I don't remember all the details exactly, but just how close uh, you know this this lady was was a friend's mom and it pretty much became his mom and and now like how close they are together. I mean, it's really like it's a beautiful story. Um, and I, I just really liked how Jimmy Butler has carried himself this, this postseason Cause I think it's different from past. Uh, I think so too. His maturity is yeah. very evident and yeah. you wonder like what that shift can be attributed to. Um, I mean the I coaching we'll and, the, and the positive influences, I mean, in the organization, like you mentioned, Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra, those two guys alone who have coached, um, I mean, all time 
Riley coached, you know, Magic, Vlade, you know, all you know, all these players in the the 90s and the late two, uh 80s. And, you know, he's been around LeBron and D Wade and uh, Chris Bosch. And uh, same thing with Spolstra, being around all those those guys, uh, you know, I'm fortunately like a lot of them probably don't have the personality of those guys, but you know, uh, uh, as opposed to Jimmy Butler, but I think um, they're able to break through to him because they, they have a lot of patience. We mentioned, you know, that they don't really give in to what the media says. They don't care. And Jimmy Butler, he's kind of, he's kind of carrying himself that like that. He's like, I don't care what the media says. I don't really care what the narrative is. You know, we're just going to go out there do our thing. And that's why we're at one own the series against Boston. And uh, that's what uh, I've really kind of, and I, I think a lot of people now say this, Jimmy Butler is probably one of their favorite players in the league because in, in a league where now I think we see a lot of players are crying a lot, like where, you know, they cry after every, not, I'm not going to say they cry after every play, but players just, they like to complain a little bit more to the refs now and, and all that. And like to take games off and do this and load management and, and everything else like that. So I think that's really become a sa- like sour taste in people's mouths. But Jimmy Butler is someone who kind of pl- who plays and shuts that off. And I think uh, that's why, I mean, for personally, for me, that's why I like him a lot more Yeah. Um, from the, from that stance. But yeah, uh, what, what they're doing is incredible. They're about to, you know, they're playing game two tonight here as we record this on Friday um, in Boston. I mean, I think they're going to respond. They, they have the more talented team I and mean, they have the way more talented team. But you know what? And I read all these things like Boston has the best fan base. You win game one, you win in Boston. And yeah. I see all of these things where people write off the heat. And I, I mean, I think Boston responds too, but yeah. Boston responds and the heat shine through and come back and ra- I, I, they oh, somehow pull it together and rally so many times. Now, can they do it in back-to-back games? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I- it's not going to be one of those series where you win four and call it. Um, I certainly don't think that. And I do think Boston puts up a fight and Boston is one of the most loaded rosters. Um, but I don't know. I, I like when people write off the heat and we prove them wrong. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, they prove them wrong. I mean, I mean, just look, I, I mean, Boston is probably the second most talented team going into the playoffs and they're still the second most talented team there um, for as far as like their whole bench to everything like that. But the heat have the better coaching. But um, I th- I would say Boston probably has the, no, sorry, not Boston. Uh, sorry, the Heat probably had the best player in Jimmy Butler on the court. Mm-hmm. But Boston probably has the ne- the three next best players on their team. And so I think I think I would not be surprised if Boston won the next, you know, four out of five, uh-huh. you know, yeah. and, and one in six. But to I think this has been a success for the Miami Heat as far as like they knocked off the Bucks. They knocked off the number one seeded Bucks. The, I you know despite you know uh. Uh, freaking Giannis being hurt for two of the games that they beat yeah. him. They still came back from double digit deficits in both fourth quarters and came back and won. That's something to be said. Like, do I know if, if Giannis is hurt the whole series? Like, you know, if he's hurt for those two games, do they win that series? I don't know, but they sure did beat him twice with him on the floor with up, up double digits again. And that, that was uh, extreme. That's extremely fascinating for what they did. And then, you know, they beat uh, a Knicks team who were favored. They were, you know, and so the, it's it's kind of like them and the Lakers who have been both underdogs going into each series. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, they're uh, Miami's up one zero, Lakers are down two two zero right now to the Nuggets. But um, I mean, still a lot of games left to be played. I would not be shocked if Miami just, you know, they buried the Celtics. I would, you know, 
would not be shocked at all because they knocked off the Bucks. The, I had the Bucks going to the finals, as a lot of people did. I mean, how could you not? Giannis is probably the best player in the NBA, and um, they they did it, man. They and they they continue to do it. They do it from three point shooting, tough defense, uh, great coaching, and uh, Butler controls the pace of the game. I think uh, he sort of mastered this, and I think he's like, hey guys, we won seven more games, we could we could win, you know, win the finals. And you said in uh you know next four weeks that hey Miami's now one game away from winning the NBA Finals, I would not be shocked. I mean, this whole run has been shocking, but like now after watching it for two series, it's like how can you be shocked by anything they do? Right. Are you a Lakers fan? I'm not a Laker fan. I'm a Detroit Pistons fan, and uh, oh. it's been a long, miserable series. I grew up a fan of players, uh, so okay. Uh, so yeah, Detroit Pistons. I was a fan of Rasheed Wallace. Uh, so when he okay. got traded from Portland in 2004 or 2003 um, to play the Lakers or not, um, sorry, to play for the Pistons. And then when they went up against the Lakers, I was like, I was like that one kid in school. I No, I was that one kid in school. I, well, I always liked Wallace. I, I loved watching him on uh, yeah. Portland and uh, you know, they, they came really close there in Portland to actually making a push to go to the finals, but they ended up losing to the Lakers in the, uh, in the playoffs. But uh, when he went to Detroit, Detroit was such a big underdog going into into the finals against the Lakers because it was Kobe, Shaq, Gary Payton, Carl Malone. That was the, the you know the big the big four the, that dream team sort of set up there for the Lakers. Uh, Gary Payton, Carl Malone were you know in the last year of their careers there um, going. But uh, Detroit was such a big underdog at the time. But anyways, uh, yeah, I was a big fan of Rasheed Wallace in uh, football. I was a big fan of Dominic McNabb. Why I'm an Eagles fan and also, I'm a New York Mets fan, and uh, okay, Mike, so you're like really Mike Piazza. It's oh. all East Coast. People ask me, "Yeah, are you from the East Coast?" I'm like, "No, I'm not from the East Coast. I'm from LA. I've been, uh, I was, I uh, grew up an hour outside of here. Uh, the only LA team I really kind of root for is the Dodgers, just because uh, I love the organization and I love going to baseball games. It's probably my favorite to go to, but um, yeah, uh, that that that's sort of why. But um, yeah, back back to the NBA. It's um, what Miami's done and what the Lakers have done has been pretty remarkable. It's kind of watched what uh, it's kind of unfolded there in the playoffs so far. Yeah, I'm eager to to watch tonight, and obviously, I know who I'll be rooting for. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I was I was lucky enough um, to like grow up when Miami won. Um, I actually remember like when they won the first one with Dwayne Wade, and he was just like a little. Yeah, baby. 2006. That was amazing. Yeah. Um, and I, I like remember like really understanding and liking sports then, not that I didn't before that, but you know, I was younger. Um, and then when Bosch and LeBron came, it was just an incredible time to be in South Florida. Um, and I can recall going to, um, the Ray Allen shot game and everyone leaving and we didn't want to. Go, this sounds so bratty, but I remember it was like <laughs> the last day of school and my brother and I were like, well, there's like stuff going on and like, it would be fun to like go out with our friends. <laughs> my dad was like, we have tickets. Like we should go to the heat game. And we were like, okay, fine. Um, and I mean, what a time. Uh, uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's probably the, the single most greatest shot, shot <laughs> right. in the history. Yeah. Just, just that, um, uh, that, that shot alone. That was, that was amazing. Right. I mean, yeah. And yeah, the, you always saw, you always see the footage of all the fans leaving the game, and then everyone you know, leaving. Yeah. yeah, and uh, wow, yeah, no, that was a that would have been an incredible game just to go to and 
Oh yeah. uh, It's such a fun app. I mean, NBA games are so fun. I've been to one Bulls game here in Chicago and I wouldn't say it was like the atmosphere, like the heat. I imagine back in the nineties, it was quite the place to be. Um, but NBA is just fun because it's like so much music and it's rowdy and it's fast. Um, and I, I hope that the Bulls can get back to, you know, those days. Um, when it was, you know, a little more. Yeah, no, they have a, they have a lot of adjustments to do this off season. We'll, we'll see, um, uh, with how they, with what they do with Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan and all that. Yeah. They have, yeah. A, they have a lot of uh, questions there that they're going to trade Levine, you know, or maybe do they trade DeRozan Vucevic is a free agent. Yeah. They, but, uh, I think they're, I think they're in a decent spot. They have a, they have some moves that they can make to maybe make themselves, um, I'm not going to say a contender, but to make themselves, um, in the uh, mix. Yeah, in the mix, they have their draft yeah. picks. They have the, they have the, they have those uh those guys. So yeah, d- definitely going from there. Um, I, I actually breaking news. Uh, uh, you know Jim Brown, uh, former Cleveland running back. Yeah. Uh, he uh, just passed away, eighty-seven years oh. old. Yeah. What a damper uh, on our fun yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah, he um, I know, uh, crazy. Uh, that's probably so the gra- sad. Yeah, greatest running back. I mean, I think of all time. Uh, yeah, that's he, terrible. How old was he? He was eighty-seven. He was a, he was a little older. He was a running back in the seventies. Um, but yeah, a long, great life. Yeah. Long, great life. But, um, yeah, uh, condolences to him and his family. I mean, uh, 87, yeah, like you said, a long, that's a long life to live. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like sh- shifting there. Um, is there, uh, for, for you, what, what's, what's next going on with your, uh, with your podcast? You, you also, um, you also host, you're the co-host to another podcast over. Well, yeah. So um getting rolling with season two of scoop du jour um but season one is available um wherever you get your podcast so what what's great about it that i think um a, a plug is that you can listen whenever you want it's not you know a weekly or it, it is weekly when the seasons are going but you don't have to you know be know what's going on um you can just say hey i want to listen to the episode with Kate Scott, the announcer from the 76ers and know what basketball season is going on, right? You want to listen yeah. to that. Um, I want to listen to the episode with Marcus Page, great point guard from North Carolina, um, and just kind of see what tickles your fancy, if you will, um, and kind of pick up wherever. Um, but also kind of getting rolling with some great guests for season two. Um, and then, yeah, I do um, some freelance on the side and host um, a number of shows for the Locked On Sports Network, which is another wonderful um, podcast network um, owned by Tegna and begun by the um, announcer for the Utah Jazz, Utah Jazz, David Locke. Um, and they've been so kind to bring me on. And I host a number of shows for them, including Locked On Game to Game SEC and Big Ten. So that really ramps up during football yeah. season. Um, and those are definitely my passions that college football. Um, so that's really fun and keeps me busy. And then, um, yeah, just in the, in the meantime, I'm just trying to figure my way around Chicago still. Um, I've been here almost a year and I'm still like, which train should I take and what neighborhood am I in? Um, you know, all those things. That yeah. is cool. I've never been to Chicago. I've, I, another place I need to go to. I, I guess I need to all the big cities. Whole, I know I need to make, make like a bucket list of big cities. Yeah, I'm gonna. Or you need to knock out Chicago or some or uh, Florida here. But yeah, and like go to like all the big trips. sporting venues because Chicago has great sporting venues. You have to go yeah. 
to Wrigley, um, United Center, you can knock off Bulls and Blackhawks. Yeah. Um, like at least two, at least two of those. Sox household. So we go to a number of White Sox games, which, you know, Chicago faithful don't love the White Sox, but we were White Sox household. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, um, no, guaranteed g- g- rate field. Yeah. Congratulations to you on, on everything. I know, uh, even like, I like what you're doing with your podcast, making the season two, it really, um, it gets things really organized, especially with you, you. being busy because podcasting takes a lot of time. We talked about this a little bit before the show, uh, for anyone looking to try to start a podcast, just be prepared. You're going to run into a lot of, um, hiccups. You're going to run into a lot of stuff that might not work out your way. Uh, technical difficulties. We had that earlier in the show where the Wi-Fi just cuts no out. It, it, no, no, no. It's, it's, no, I'm just it's all learning. It's, it's all, yeah. it's all great. That's, that's one thing you could go back and edit it, but yeah. Sorry. So doing what you're doing, I, I love it. I know, uh, working a nine to five, uh, it's not easy. The free, you know, the, the time, once you're done, you're like totally drained. And so to yeah. have to go out and do that, uh, it, it takes a extra, you got to go into an extra gear. It's uh getting that coffee. It's uh prepping. It's, it's everything so to do. So, well, whenever- and you know, I think same for you, it's like, it's a passion project, but you have to be willing to kind of put in the time. And, um, I think one of the things that I've realized, and I, I tell others the same way you are is, um, it's all the same thing, the same way when I was working in small market TV, right? Like I didn't work in Chicago and LA, um, we're doing everything right. Like the same way I was doing it when I was reporting and anchoring, I, every 30 minute show was scripted, produced, edited, written, anchored by me. And of course we had amazing producers, directors behind the scenes that we had, you know, cameramen when we were live in the field, but a lot of times like on a, a story, I was filming it and then going to edit it. And, and I edited all my own stuff. And I think the same thing can be said of a podcast. Um, you're emailing people to find them as guests for every great guest you see, just know that I've emailed a hundred others who haven't answered. Um, and I, I just so appreciate the people who do, um, like, you know, like yourself, I thank you for coming on to do no, this. Same. I mean, trust, and I, it, it doesn't mean I d- don't want to do or be on any of the wonderful things I'm on, but I think a, a piece of advice my mom always gave me, it's like, when you get where you're going, which I think we both have great aspirations. Don't forget to look behind you. And yeah. it's like anyone who is look, going to college or wants to do a podcast or like any of the things, just help somebody out who like wants to do what you're doing because like, it's not that hard, you know, like yeah. we want the same help. So why not open the door for the next person? Or, so, or we wanted that help, you know, or we're, we needed still you know, want it. Like yeah. yeah, exactly. Be- before then. So, and uh, that's a really good point. And thank your mom for, for uh, <laughs> reminding me of that because it's totally true. It is like, yeah. you know, even in like the personal training world, it's uh, uh do now it's like, you know, I see some younger trainers and I like, you know, I was once that person. It's like, you know, maybe I should be the one, you know, going out and seeing, Hey, if they need help or, you know, anyone like that. But, um, and that's the same thing in podcasting or in sports in general. So that, that's always a great reminder. Yeah. Um, Jordan, I know we're uh, over time here. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the yeah. show today. And um, I will definitely, uh, we'll have to get the, together next time after the heat or maybe are in the finals. We'll uh, we'll have the chatter again. Fingers crossed. Let's do it. <laughs> Sounds thank- good. Thanks for having me on, Brian. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, Jordan. I hope you guys all enjoy the interview with Jordan Black. 
her presence uh, on camera or here on the mic is just uh, brilliant. You could tell she was in TV broadcast for a long time because she, she's really good at what she does. Um, she has a great presence on this podcast, knows what she's talking about, and that's why she's the host of her own podcast. Uh, big thanks to her for coming on the show today. Um, please uh, do not forget to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your fellow sports fans, and don't forget to go check out the uh, Scoop Du Jour podcast as well. Uh, that's where you can find Jordan and stuff and uh, many more things here to come on this podcast. Um, we'll see you guys all here next week. Have a great day.